Amen. Welcome. Wow. I would have been the star in that video in 1979. When it came to purpose and my purpose in life, I did not have a clue. And as you could see in the video, if you were to ask most people today, what is your purpose? Why are you here? What were you made and created for? You would be hard-pressed to get an answer. And one of the young men in that video, his answer was probably a PG-type answer. I don't judge him for that because mine would have probably been rated R in how I would have tried to answer that question back then. And so... This is going to be an adventure, I believe, for many of you of a lifetime as we go into the subject of purpose. We're going to embark today and I'm going to lay a foundation on that journey. And I promise you at the end, every single one of us should be able to answer the question, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? Why am I the way I am? Why am I so complex and different than other people? Again, I did not understand those things, and I was not happy with myself, and I didn't know how to deal with the differences in my life, and so I couldn't find a place of peace in who I am and how I am, and worse yet, I wanted to be somebody else, and many people live their entire lives because they don't know their purpose in life. They, they live trying to be like someone else or even someone else, and so I'm going to help us with all of those, those issues. All right, we're going to begin in Psalms 139, verses 13 through 18. And I tend to lean toward the right. It's not because I love you guys more than you guys. And so I'm going to try to lean left a little bit, stays left, and uh, stay over here a little bit. But you're going to help me, right? Right, okay, okay, okay. Can y'all do any better than that? Now you know why I go stage right. All right. Stage left. Psalms 139, verses 13 through 18. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And David is celebrating God's workmanship. He's celebrating being a part of God's magnificent creation and how he's a part of that creation. In verse 13, he says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. While you were in your mother's womb, God was working. God was forming you. God was knitting you together. God was creating you a certain way for a certain purpose. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I wish I'd have just heard that in church because I was definitely complex coming up, but did not thank God. For making me so wonderfully complex. How many of you have had a child that you literally looked at God and said, Thank you for making this one so wonderfully complex? <laughs> None of us have done that. And yet God made you the way you are. God made you like you are. And it is on purpose and for a purpose. And David is celebrating it. Watch this. He says, Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. See, it takes a revelation from God to understand yourself. It takes a revelation from God on knowing why you are the way you are. He says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. See, God's purpose for your life, dear ones, God's 
purpose for my life began before I was even born. Before I even knew I was here, God was working on my behalf, His divine purpose. He says here that every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They are they outnumber the grains of sand. King James Bible says the sand on the seashore. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Wow. God has happy thoughts about us. And I grew up in church and I didn't know God thought about me. And if I dared to imagine or dream that maybe God knows me and maybe God cares about me and maybe he has thoughts about me, I certainly did not believe they were happy thoughts. And yet God has so many happy thoughts about you that they are more than the sands on the seashore. And yet how many people see God that way and see themselves in relationship with God that way? Again, verse 14 in the New Living Translation says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You and I are the workmanship of God. And I'm talking about His plan for our lives. I'm talking about His divine design and how He made you and your bent in life and, and your likes and your dislikes. And I'm going to get into all of those things in detail. But I want to lay a foundation because each and every one of us is very, very special and very unique to God. You are unique and different on purpose and for a purpose. And no one ever told me that. It's okay to be different. Look at your neighbor and say, you're okay. Now, some of you, you think you're lying. No, you're, you're, you're not lying. They are okay, meaning God made us different. And it's okay to be different. You don't have to be like your parents. You don't have to be like your peers. You don't have to be like what politicians say we should be like or what professors say we should be like. Or worse yet, a crazy preacher, hallelujah. Because sometimes preachers can mess us up in our divine design and in God's purpose for our lives. Again, no two fingerprints are alike on the entire face of this planet. There have been billions and billions of people come and go throughout the history of man and no one has your fingerprint. That is God screaming that you are unique. That is God screaming that you are different for a purpose and on purpose. You have a DNA, genetic code, that no one else has. There never has been anyone on the planet or ever will be anyone on the planet that has your DNA. There's over 6 billion people on the planet right now. No one has your DNA. Your face is different. There is not another face, thank you Jesus, than the face you possess. Think about how miraculous that is. There's not a whole lot to a face. How simple can a face be? It's just made up of a few eyeballs, nose, a mouth. And yet out of 6 billion people, over 6 billion people, no two faces are the same. Did you know there's no such thing as identical twins? Even identical twins are different and look different for a purpose and on purpose. This is something if you're taking notes, I would really appreciate you writing down. We are all, each and every one of us, born an original unoriginal yet most people die a carbon copy of someone else everyone's trying to mold us into some kind of image everyone's trying to make us become something in many ways and times that God 
didn't will. Many times parents, again, innocently try to, to, to form you into a purpose for their own, their own esteem, for their own lives, not necessarily your life. And I'm not dissing any of our parents. I'm saying many times parents try to pressure children into a purpose that God didn't ordain for them. And let me tell you something, parents. You will make your children miserable if you try to make them something God didn't call them to be. God didn't call them to be. Many times, most of the times, our peers are trying to mold us into a purpose that God didn't ordain. And again, on and on I can go. This is what we're going to be answering for the next few, next few sessions. Is what is God's purpose for my life? I earnestly pray and believe that when someone puts a camera in your face, that you can answer the question, what is your purpose in life? Why are you here? Why are you the way you are? Why are you made and wired the way you're wired? It is on purpose and for a purpose, and we're going to discover it, and we're going to fulfill it by the grace of God. Now, let's start with Jeremiah chapter 10 and 11, and Jeremiah here is speaking of Israel's captivity to Babylon. They had resisted God. You know, we all sin, and we all make mistakes, and we all fail, and we all fall. But there's a difference between sinning or failing or falling and rebelling against God. Israel had rebelled against God. They had resisted God. They shook their fist in the face of God and refused to yield to Him, refused to follow Him, and it led to 70 years of captivity. All sin, dear ones, is an attack on your purpose. All sin is an attack on your divine design. And all sin in time, if, if unresolved, leads to slavery. It leads to captivity. And so they are there for 70 years. Look at what Jeremiah prophesied, though, in Jeremiah 29, verse 10. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. Notice that even after 70 years of captivity, God says, I'm going to come to you. And I am going to do all the good things. Not bad things. You thought I was a mean God. You thought I would hurt or harm you. You thought I would work ill will towards you. And I'm telling you, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do all the good things that I promised you when I bring you home. Look at verse 11. For I know the plans, the purposes. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You and I must come to a place in our walk with God that we believe He wills nothing but good for us. God doesn't will any ill will for you. God doesn't will disaster for you. God doesn't will harm for you. God doesn't want to make you miserable. God wants to make you happy. God wants to fulfill you. God wants to prosper you. God wants you to be fruitful and feel significance and value and worth. He means nothing but good for you. But how many like me resisted God because I thought if I yield to God... And if I really give my life totally over to God, He is going to make me do something I don't want to do. He's going to make me go somewhere I don't want to go. He's going to make me become or be something I really don't want to be. Oh my God, if I really yield to God, He'll make me marry an ugly woman and move to Afghanistan. I don't want to obey God, really. I don't want to yield to God. I don't believe God's plans for me will make me happy. I believe my plans are better plans 
and will make me happy and successful and prosper. But God's plan will make me miserable. If I yield to God, he may send me to the deepest, darkest jungle in Africa and I'll have to eat bugs and brush my teeth with tree bark. And <laughs> Do you know you're laughing at me? And I laugh at me as well over those things. You'd be shocked at how many hundreds, maybe thousands of people I've talked to that have that same mindset that they think their plans, their purposes is going to make them more fulfilled and happy than God's plans or God's purpose for their life. They're afraid of God. They're afraid of God's will as if he's going to make you do something you don't want to do. Saints, God, when you were in your mother's womb, designed you, he created you, and he made you, and he wired you a certain way for a specific purpose that when you discover that purpose, you don't know what true happiness is till you find the purpose of God. The reason you're here... The reason you're breathing, the reason you get up in the morning, the reason you live your life the way you live it has a purpose and God wants you to discover it and he wants you to connect to it and you'll see that he made you for that purpose and you don't have anything to fear. If you're supposed to go to Africa and eat bugs in time as you walk with God, we'll know it, you'll know it because you'll be around here eating bugs. We'll send you to Africa to eat bugs and I'm going to deal in a message on eating bugs and how that if God's called you and anointed you and designed you to eat bugs you may hate bugs right now but one day you will be a bug eating machine hallelujah <laughs> and love every minute of it and this is why so many people miss God's will they miss God's plan they're not living life on purpose and for a purpose because they're afraid that God's plans are not good for them and I'm here to tell you God's plans are good for us now this is, yeah, let's go ahead and thank God. Let's thank God. I'm so happy. Maybe you're having to thank God by faith. Maybe you don't really feel that yet, but I'm telling you, I didn't feel it for years. And now I feel it in the depth of my being that connecting to my purpose has changed everything in my life. Now, the process of discovering God's purpose and fulfilling it in my life, I came to two things in Scripture that I had never been taught. And that is that there are two categories that work in tandem, one with another, concerning God's purpose for our lives. One is primary purpose. The other is secondary purpose. I will be breaking this down. I'm just going to say it now to lay the foundation. But there is a primary purpose that God has for my life and your life. And there's a secondary purpose that God has for me and that he has for you. And the two leverage one against the other. And... The primary purpose is that we all be conformed into the image of His dear Son. We're all on the path of Christ-likeness. We're all being changed. We're all being transformed into the image of His dear Son. We are instruments in the earth to reveal God's glory, to receive heaven and bring the kingdom of heaven into the kingdoms of this world and the new heaven and the new earth that is to come we are vessels and vehicles that are bringing that into the earth when people meet you and they meet me they're supposed to get a taste of heaven they're supposed to get a glimpse of the new heaven and the new earth the glory of God that was perfectly manifest in Jesus they're supposed to see Christ's likeness in our lives yes they'll see faults yes they'll see failure but they'll also see the love of God they'll see the grace of God they'll see the mercy of God and the goodness of God 
as they come and taste and see that the Lord is good as they encounter you and me. So that's our primary purpose is that Christ be seen and Christ be known in our lives. Our secondary purpose is our vocation, our calling. And I get so excited when I start to share this that I hope I'm over the excitement by the time I share it so that I don't just blow up. But your job is very holy. What you do that you call a living is not secular, it is sacred. God has called you in your vocation and He has equipped you and He's anointed you to not only bless you in your vocation and make you a minister in that vocation, but also be a blessing to your family, be a blessing to our community, be a blessing of culture all around us. Many people separate a calling from their careers, from their jobs. And they look at my job, my calling, and they say it's holy. They look at their job, their calling, and say it's unholy. 40%, nearly 40% of your waking moments are on the job. And yet people separate that part of their life from, from a call. And they think that only right now are you really in your call and doing something spiritual. That you're in a service and you're at church. I have a call on my life. The gifts and calling are without repentance. My vocation, my calling is pastor-teacher, but I have a high calling, and that is that Christ be seen and known in me in my pastor-teaching. I don't want to just be in my calling, a pastor-teacher. I want Christ to be seen in my pastoring and in my teaching. You're not just called to be a mechanic, but some of you, you've been called by God to be a mechanic. You were designed by God to be a mechanic, and you are to do that as unto God, and you are blessed in fixing cars, and you are blessing people who have broken cars, and you are blessing our community by contributing to society and bringing the kingdom of God in every car that you, that you fix. Hallelujah. It's to the glory of God. A doctor is a minister, not just a doctor. A policeman is a minister. I'm going to show you right out of the Word of God that our mayor in our city is a minister. And yet, I promise, most mayors in most cities have no idea that they are called by God, they're anointed by God, and that that vocation is a ministry where God is reconciling the entire world back unto Himself. I can't wait to share on how that we have a calling and a high calling. We have a secondary purpose and a station in this life that God wants to use you to His glory. And then we have a high calling, a primary purpose, where everything we see and everything we do is God working in reconciling things back to Him. So I'll be really excited when we talk about that. I hope you got something out of that. These work together, and I'll explain them as we go. Everything in life has a purpose. Everything in life has a purpose. Every created thing that has a creator has a purpose. No one is here by accident. You are not an accident, dear ones. I don't care how complex you are, how even messed up you are through sin, Satan, and the powers of darkness. You are still God's workmanship, and you're not an accident, and God has a purpose for your life. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm illegitimate. I don't care if you were conceived in the back seat of a 1956 Chevy. You are not illegitimate. What your parents may have done was illegitimate, but you are not illegitimate. You came from God, not from your parents. 
You are the workmanship of God still. You are a blessing to God, and God had a plan for your life, and he's not aborted that plan. And so we have to understand that when God created us, he didn't go, whoops. I look at some of you and go, whoops. But God doesn't look at you and go, whoops. God knew what he was doing. And we may all disagree with God. You may disagree with God on why you are the way you are. But I'm telling you, God knew what he was doing when he created you and you're no accident. Purpose creates passion. Passion demands attention. Purpose, and when you connect to your purpose, there's a new energy for life. I talk to people all the time, and when you look at this generation... We have an entire generation because those of us that were raised in the 60s, we have totally dropped the ball and the next generation has no idea that there is a purpose to life. There's a purpose in them being here. And so they have no energy for life. They have no passion. They're lethargic. They're just going through the motions. I talk to people all the time and they say, well, I'm just so tired all the time. I, I don't, I don't want to get up and, and I'm, I'm just, life is boring and maybe, maybe I'm just getting old. Dude, you're 21. <laughs> you're not old. I've known 80-year-old people with an energy for life, with a passion, and with just fire burning in their bones who get up every morning because they know there's a reason to get up, who work on their marriages still because they know there's a reason to work on it, who are raising functional children and grandchildren because they know there's a reason, there's a purpose, who go to work, show up on time, work really hard because they know there's a purpose in the eyes of God. This entire generation has been robbed of a treasure that you can't put a price on, and that is purpose and living life on purpose and for a purpose. When you're in your purpose, man, you're in your element. You thrive. You don't just survive. When you connect to your purpose, it causes your RPMs, man, just to crank up. And I know when I'm in my purpose because of my RPMs just cranking and going. Many times I'm traveling and it's difficult to be gone. I'm gone nearly all the time, and I praise God for it. I'm going through some mixed feelings about God's will in my life right now. And just the demand on, on you and things like that. And I like being home, and I want to be home. And many times I'll be like five, six hours away, and when the meeting is over, I don't want to stay in a hotel another night. So I'll drive all the way home, and I'll ingest legal drugs, coffee, coffee be cool be cool I'll, I'll I'll drink a bunch of coffee and man it'll wake me up I mean it really works for me but the problem is I'll get home at two o'clock in the morning and and I'm still wired I'm stoked from the meeting and I'm excited about the healings or lives being changed so I'm all pumped up about that I got this legal drug running through my system and so I'm just wired and so I make the mistake of turning the TV on and channel surfing. And you just go, and there's just nothing on. You can't find anything. And then all of a sudden, you run into a guy cooking at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> What's up with that? I mean, 2 o'clock in the morning, this guy's cooking. And before you know it, you stop. And you're watching a guy cook at 2 o'clock in the morning. And it's not just because he's cooking. It's because he's cooking with passion. 
And he's cooking with this high energy level. And he makes it look easy. You know, when you find your purpose, it's easy. And it flows. And you're in your sweet spot. And this guy's so excited about what he's doing, it, it captivates me. And before you know it, man, I'm all caught up in him cooking. And at 4 o'clock now, I go into the kitchen and I cook something. And then at 5 o'clock when Sue gets up, she eats it. And she and I discover, it ain't my calling. <laughs> I don't have a high calling or a calling. In cooking he made it look so simple and yet he was designed for that he was created for that he was made for that and he's in his rhythm he's in his sweet spot see I can't cook but then again I can cook my entire life I've been cooking hallelujah a meal I've been cooking a table I've been spreading a table for the saints of God and man I've been cooking and cooking and today I'm serving you a meal that is life and life in abundance hallelujah I'm a mean, angel-blessing, devil-kicking machine in cooking up the things of God and making them where you can feed on them, where you can apply them for your life, where the dots begin to connect. And that's what I was created for. In my mother's womb, God saw me today doing what I'm doing and connected to that. I have a passion that I don't have in other things, that I, I don't have an energy for life when I'm doing something else because I'm in my... I'm in my element. So that's a, a good example for us. All right, let me talk about purpose in general because we're laying a foundation. I've shared these before, but if you will open your heart, you're going to hear something you haven't heard and you're going to receive something that will help you, I promise. In purpose, we have to understand that if the purpose of a thing is unknown, if it's unknown, it is destined to be abused, to be misused, and then frustrate the original purpose. I don't care if it's an object, a thing, an appliance, a creation of any kind. If it doesn't know its purpose, it'll be abused. It'll be misused. And then it'll frustrate the original purpose. You take a guitar, for instance. On the stage, we have guitars. And there's different kinds of, di of guitars. Different designs of guitars. Because they have a different purpose. So the design matches the purpose. They basically all look the same and, and have a general purpose, but even a unique purpose to each design. If there was a carpenter coming through the church here and he lost his hammer, but he looked at that guitar over there, well, it has a, it has a neck and he, he looks at that. That's a handle. And I can take this, this guitar and I can drive this 16-penny nail into this too before. How many of you know he can get her done? But can I get a witness that's an abuse of the guitar? That's a misuse of the guitar? And now you frustrate the original purpose of the guitar, not to mention the attitude of the owner. You and I have no idea how God feels about how we've been abused and misused and now frustrated in our original purpose. God created you a certain way on purpose and for a purpose. And he doesn't want you abused. He doesn't want you misused. And he certainly doesn't want to frustrate your original, your original purpose. Another example would be a satellite, a satellite dish. We have a live feed that goes out. We've got delayed fees. We've got all kinds of things going on. And we have all these locations. We have home churches. We have countries that are faithful to this ministry and, and, and churches within even foreign countries now that are apart. And what if 
Someone from a third world country said, hey, I want to be a Victory Life Church. Would you hook us up for, for the feed? And, and we send a satellite dish over there. And, and we tell them, get back with us. And two weeks later, they get back with us and say, hey, man, nothing's changed. And so I hop on a plane. I go to that third world country. And when I get there, you know, I go to the mud hut. And the satellite's not hanging on the, on the side. The dish isn't up. I go into the house, and they're using it for a walk. Cooking at 2 a.m. in the morning. Can I get a witness that's an abuse and a misuse of the, of the satellite dish? Now listen, you frustrate the original purpose because you didn't know the purpose. Marriage has a purpose. And we have an entire generation now that marriage is collapsing. The institution is collapsing. And it's collapsing within the church at large and in the world for sure. And why is that? People don't know the purpose of marriage. God created the institution of marriage on purpose and for a specific purpose. And if you don't know that purpose, you will abuse, misuse, and frustrate the original purpose. Many of you are going to become needless casualties of divorce and the pain and suffering of divorce because you simply don't even know the purpose of your marriage. And if you don't know it, I assure you, you will abuse the institution, you will misuse it, and then frustrate the original purpose. Everything has a purpose, dear ones. Did you know the nose or the hair in your nose has a purpose? Did you know it's a filter and it, and it collects boogers? <laughs> so some of you are looking at me like you didn't know that. I'm not sure what happens to some men at the age of about 50, but it's like the hair root has a dyslexic moment, and it goes, it goes backwards, and suddenly their hair starts growing out their nose and out their ears. And I mean, it's ugly. Can you imagine this coming out my nose? I thank God for my nose hairs, but there's a limit to every purpose. Can I get a witness? Everything has a purpose. Everything created has a purpose, and you're a part of creation, and you too have a purpose in this life. Your life will lead, dear ones, to great frustration, to amplified frustration and abuse if purpose remains unknown and unfulfilled. That's why this series means so much to me. I know, whether you know it or not, if you don't connect to your purpose, you're going to live a life of abuse and misuse. And you're going to frustrate your divine design and be very, very unfulfilled and very unhappy. So we are going to go through this together and believe God for everyone to connect to their God-given purpose. All right, for that to happen, three questions have to be answered. There are three questions that I had to get answered before I understood purpose. Before I connected to my purpose, I had to understand these three things. And without the answer from God to these three things, you're going to really struggle in God's purpose for your life in discovering it and finding it. So let's go through the three questions, and I'll be referring to them throughout this entire series. Number one, where did I come from? Where did I come from? That question is on the heart and in the heart of every human being and has to be answered by God. Where did you come from? It is no accident that the devil has subtly deceived an entire generation to their origin. And then when it comes to the cockamamie story of evolution, 
versus the biblical account of creation, I have learned it's not a matter of just a disagreement. That if you can deceive an entire generation and confuse them on their origin, they will miss their purpose in life. If you believe that you evolved from slime on the ocean, if you believe you are just a part of a million and million and billions of years of the chain of an evolution, and that you're just some little bitty chain in that evolution, you're going to live a life without value, without significance, feeling no worth to God. We didn't evolve from slime on the ocean to what we see today. We were created in the image and in the likeness of God, crowned with glory and honor, just a little lower than God, and we have devolved to the slime we see today. Man today is a far cry short of the way God created him. God created us in his image and likeness, and that image and likeness has been blitzed and blighted by sin and Satan and darkness to where in some men today it is hard to see any of God in them because of sin. No, you didn't, you didn't start as goo and evolve to zoo and the zoo to you. <laughs> you came from God. You are a creation of God. It wasn't until I got to college, among the so-called enlightened among us, among the so-called intelligent among us, that I learned and was taught the Big Bang Theory. And you talk about an amazing story. You talk about a leap of faith to believe that there was this cosmic gas and gases. And these cosmic gases came together and there was this big bang. There was this big boom. There was this cosmic explosion. And this explosion slung the universe into existence. And all the galaxies and the precision of the universe and the stars and the moon and the sun and the earth and that all rotating around the sun and the earth just happened and it's on this axis that spins that creates all these seasons and that was all by accident it was just a big bang you talk about having to have some faith and a leap of faith do you realize how crazy that is? Now, I want to give people the advantage that maybe have been raised in urban cities and concrete jungle, and maybe you've never seen anything bang. Maybe you've never seen anything explode. I'm from the South. I have a gun. I have lots of guns, and I see stuff blow up all the time. I've had firecrackers that go Boom, I've created bombs. Yes, I've created bombs that blow up. We actually this year bought some stuff that's out now that's about this big and white. You stick it up in the tree and you shoot it, and it's a bomb. It blows up. Bam! Are all y'all from the big city? Let me tell you something about a bomb. Let me tell you something about something blowing up. I have never seen order come out of anything blow up. There's nothing but disorder, chaos, bedlam, destruction, problems. Nothing blows up and creates order and the precision of the universe. Saints, you can't look at the universe and be honest about it, intellectually even honest about it, and claim there is no God. That is a divine design created by a creator, and you're not him, and I'm not him. Hallelujah. Amen. You are here on purpose. You're not an accident. The universe is not an accident. 
I'm here to tell you there was a big bang and they're probably listening to it still and they're discovering the noise of it because a long, long time ago, God said, let there be light. And bam, there was light. God said, let there be a firmament and let there be the heavens and let there be the stars and let there be a sun that rules by, by day and let there be a moon that rules by day. Everything was created by God the great creator and everything is a part of his creation on purpose and for a purpose and you and I have a place in God's creation on purpose and for a purpose to the glory of God hallelujah every child needs to be taught origin and where they came from and I'm going to show you in our next session you truly came from God you really didn't come from your parents you came through your parents that's why you can't go to your parents to explain why you're so messed up and you can't blame your parents for what you think is a mess up. Your parents was a part and participated in your creation. But I'm going to show you right out of the word of God. You came from God. So origin is a part of answering purpose. Number two, who am I? Who am I? I've spent three and a half decades with passion and, and a high energy and love for God and a love for you. In teaching you who you are in Christ, your new identity. See, everything you do comes out of who you believe you are. That's why you've got to get straight who you are. Many people today are bound by their sin because they believe they are their sin. Do you know I have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but I am not my sin. The devil wants you to identify with your sin so he can lock you in to the death of that sin. Man, I'm spitting. Are you okay? I apologize. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It's anointed. <laughs> It'll set you free. <laughs> I apologize. I don't know if I'm just drooling or I'm excited. Hallelujah. Amen. But I am excited. I may be drooling, but I am excited. But bottom line is, everything you do comes out of who you believe you are. That's why it's important that you hear from God and that you know God and that you have a relationship with God and you discover now who you are in Jesus. See, I am righteous and truly holy. If I commit a sin, if I commit something unrighteous, that's not who I am. That's why I repent of it. That's why I can break by the grace of God the power of it because it's not who I am. I am a child of God. I am righteous and truly holy. What I did was a mistake. The devil wants me to become or identify with the mistake but that is not who I am if I abused my brother my good friend Jim I would repent of that abuse because I'm not an abuser I am a child of God an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus I'm the seed of Abraham above and not beneath I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed coming out and I'm trying to hold back the preach because I got to make a point here I am a new creation I I am a child of God. What I did was wrong, but that's not who I am. I don't identify with my sin. I identify with Christ and repent of my sin now. And this is why people are bound by sin is they don't know who they are. They don't understand and have a revelation of who you are. That's why you're missing your purpose. Sin is not God's purpose for my life. Amen? The only way I'm going to get out of it is find God's purpose and fulfill God's purpose for my life. You need to know who you are. If you walk up to most people and ask them, who are you? Well, I'm a Democrat. Well, I'm a Republican. Well, who are you? Well, I'm a conservative. Well, who are you? I'm a liberal. Well, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm an African-American. Well, who are you? Well, I'm Caucasian. They literally identify with groups. They identify with their flesh. I'm French Indian. But what good has it done me? 
There's nothing to, I mean, at best, I'm a savage lover. <laughs> Can it? I was going to get a witness from Sue, but she's gone. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I may have went too far with this one. I don't know. Most people identify with their flesh. They identify with, again, groups instead of identifying with Jesus. I'm a, I'm a child of God. That's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm an instrument to bring heaven, the new heaven and the new earth into this earth by faith. That's who I am. Number three, where am I going? You're going somewhere. God has a plan. You have a destiny. You have an appointment with destiny. And it's my responsibility to help equip you to get you there. To get you there. You, you have a reason to get up. You know, there's so many things I could, I could share quickly even that would help you connect to this. One of the biggest things in my life, two of the biggest things in my life, that created purpose that created energy for life and a sense of responsibility and accountability. When I got married, my life totally changed. And, and I saw purpose in marriage and in being united to Sue. The second thing was the birth of my first child. I mean, when I had a child, purpose changed for me. And a sense of purpose changed for me. There's a reason for me to come home. There's a reason for me to work hard. There's a reason for me to live right. There's a reason for me to train and teach these children that, that I've had. They brought purpose to my life. Is what I'm trying to, trying to show you in some quick illustrations. Many of you, you feel like you don't have a reason to get up. You don't have a reason to go to work. You don't have a reason to even live right. Why should I live right? Nobody else is living right. Why should I do the right thing? Everybody else is doing the wrong thing. There's a purpose. And once you see purpose and once you connect to purpose and that you have a destiny that you're going somewhere, you will see a new, a new energy for life and things of that nature. Jesus was the perfect example. And let me tell you something. He not only knew the answer to all three of those questions, he is a model for us. And he's the one that brings us the answer to all of these, all of these questions. You know, when you, you look at those questions, some of you are looking at me, and I can just feel that, oh, no. Think about those questions. He's, he's again, from the 60s. And that's what everybody was doing in the 60s. How many of you know that the hippies in the 60s didn't come up with the questions? Where did I come from? Who am I? Where am I going? Where am I at? And can I get there from here? I was wanting to lean to the left. Seems to be more people from the 60s on this side, hallelujah. Bottom line is, those aren't questions that came from a confused generation. Those are questions that are on the inside of every human being's heart. And God and only God can answer them. And when you look at Jesus' life... He knew where he came from. He knew he came from his heavenly father. He constantly made reference to his father. When he, when he disappeared and his, his mom and, and stepdad, Joseph, lost him. They went back to Jerusalem to find him. You'll recall he was in the temple. And when she kind of chided him, Mary chided him, what's wrong with you, boy? He says, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? He, by the age of 12, knew he came from the heavenly father. Through his whole ministry, he constantly kept saying, My father and I work hitherto. I don't do anything except I see my father do it. I don't say anything except I hear my father say it. So see, he knew where he came from, and that's how he fulfilled his purpose. 
You won't fulfill your purpose if you don't know where you came from. Number two, he knew who he was. Jesus knew he was the Son of God. He knew he was the Messiah. He knew he was the Savior of the world. One of the things that fascinates me about his ministry is just before he goes into, into public ministry, he's led into the wilderness of the Spirit. He's tempted by the devil for 40 days. And guess what the devil hammered him with? His identity. If you're the Son of God, do this. If you're the Son of God, do this. And you know what happened at the end of his public ministry when he was on the cross? Satan hammered him over his identity. Those that walked by ridiculed him and said, If you're the Son of God, come down off of the cross. The religious crowd said, If you're the King of the Jews, save yourself. And even the thief on the cross, who had more sense than anybody else in that, in that picture, he looks at Jesus and says, if you are the Messiah, save yourself and us. At least the thief had enough sense to say, save yourself and us. <laughs> Amen or only. That's pretty powerful. Your identity will come under assault your entire life. Why will Satan attack your identity? Because you can't fulfill your purpose if you don't know who you are. If you don't know who you are. And then number three, Jesus knew where he was going. He knew he had a purpose, a destiny. And he knew it was the cross. He knew ultimately he would be at the right hand of the throne of God, ruling the cosmos that he created. And yet he knew, I'm going to the cross. He looks at the disciples. He says, look at me. Look at me. I'm going to the cross. I will die. On the third day, I will be raised. And can I get a witness? They didn't get it. But he got it. He knew where he came from. He knew who he was, and he knew where he was going, and that's why he fulfilled the purpose of God for his life. You will not be able to fulfill God's purpose in your life if you don't know where you came from, and if you don't understand, only God, the Creator, can explain to you as a part of His creation who you are, what you are, and why you are the way you are. So you've got to go to God. You can't put this pressure on your parents. You can't put it on your peers. You can't put it on society can't put it even on the preacher. You've got to go to God. You've got to come to know God to discover who you are. And then you've got to know you have a purpose, a primary purpose and a secondary purpose. And I'm going to be sharing on all of those things to help you fulfill it. Man, did anybody get anything today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. For additional free CDs or a catalog of all our teaching messages, please contact Dwayne Sheriff Ministries, Post Office Box 427, Durant, Oklahoma 74701, or call us at 580-920-1791. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.